Hello, and welcome to Play DNA. I'm your host, Damon, and I'm here with... Cassandra. And Sarah. And today, we're going to talk about... What are we going to talk about today? Games? <gasps> yeah. Probably board games. <laughs> I think so. All right. What did you play this week? We played a lot of games that we've already played. We played including Ricochet Robots. We played uh, Evergreen again, which is a great game about trees and photosynthesis. And we played... One other one we've already played. Oh, Mountain Goats again. How about you guys? We played So Clover again. So Clover's really good. Mm-hmm. Really great. Uh, we played Zendo. Uh, we played Fold It, which we only break out with new people nowadays. Um, and Fold It is, we've talked about it before, but it's a dexterity game that is, you're, you're folding this little handkerchief and you have to fold it in a way that it matches the pattern that shows on a card. And it is, your brain either works the way that the game wants it to work or it doesn't. And so we never know how good the game is going to go until we put it in front of the new person and they play the first time. This particular time, it didn't go that well. Like she she was interested, but it was very, very difficult for her. Um, It's difficult for anybody. Who was, it's difficult for everyone. Yeah, but. You're saying that as somebody who has played Folded many, many times. I know. It's it's a hard game. It is a hard game. But um, I don't know if she would, like, want to play it again. (laughs) I mean, I don't usually want to play it again. I just wanted to see, like, okay. Yeah. I always test. Is Folded... Are you going to be a a person who is very excited about folding Mm -hmm. a handkerchief or not? We played Coup, which we don't play too often. I actually like Coup. The first time I played Coup, I did not like it. Yeah. I, I got it. I think I got it as a gift and I was just like, this is not a good game. And then I played it again and then I played it like in an emergency because it's so small. And it's like, it's it's really nice that it's really, really small. It's it's the one of the smallest games possible mm-hmm. alongside like Love Letter and, and other micro games. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a micro social deduction game. Um, and honestly, the more I've played it, the more I do like what it does. Um, I don't think with three players it was great, but like, I do think that with four or five, does it go up to five? Well, at least with four, um, I think it's quite a good little micro game. It um, is very love letter like. Yeah. I like Coup, but I haven't. I own it, but I haven't played it in like five or six years. It's been a while. So. Yeah, it, it's for very particular situations because it's so short, but it it's also short. like brutal. So yeah. you can't play it casually with like. Oh, your family. It's like, because they're just going to be like, what? You destroyed me. Like, well, we can play again. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a weird one. I don't think it works with everybody. Uh, And then we played, poor Damon had to go to the emergency room this week. And we knew that we'd be waiting for a really long time. So we brought Dungeons, Dice, and Danger uh, to the emergency room, <laughs> which worked actually quite well. Um, it's yeah. a game that's kind of too long for what it is, which is perfect in an emergency room. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> so it was like two hours. It's true, it was like a two-hour game. It's, and, a, it's and the we, longest roll and write in the it world. Took the whole, it took the whole time. Like, yeah, Damon was called in before we finished the game. So it's like, all right, great. Um, I will say that it was a little like Damon dropped the dice a few times and I wasn't a huge fan of like the dice rolling underneath the feet of somebody who's like crying because they're in pain. So that wasn't great. That's not oh really the gosh. fault of that's not really Richard Garfield's fault though. And no. Like, it's not like a design flaw. No, it's not. I put that on the back of the box, like warning only play. Be careful about playing it play, in an emergency room. Uh, yeah, assume you should be playing in your house, not 
in an airplane. Don't play on a boat. Yeah. Uh, try a different game. But it's a great game. Not sure if we're going to be playing it again now. Yeah, I don't know if I'd times. call it a great game. I just I don't think it's repl- I don't think each scenario is necessarily replayable. It's not. So it's, not. it's a game that you basically get four four shots out of, which I think is fine. Yeah. It's a good time suck. It's just the thing I don't like about it is that every single person playing is going to have the exact same experience because Everybody has to kill every beast in the dungeon. It's a it's a roll and write. You're battling your way through a dungeon. And everybody has to kill all the beasts. And the way to do that, there's not like multiple ways to do that. Everybody's going to be doing it the same way. So at the end of the game, everyone has done the exact same things. It's not like you can specialize or do something unique. Like all of your stories are exactly the same, which I, I don't really like. But good, um, good ER game. <laughs> <laughs> what did you play um, that was new so it was my niece's birthday and she's really into mermaids right now really into mm. mermaids so <laughs> we bought her a game called mermaid island i talked about this game way back like in the early days of the podcast but it's been out for quite a while and it says the box the box age says four to seven on it <laughs> and it's got Probably the worst board game geek score I've ever seen. Like, I think it's like a four point one on Board Game Geek. Oh wow! It's a typical children's game. It plays much like Pretty Pretty Princess or Candyland. So you mm. flick this dial that has mermaids on it. Some mermaids can. Well, the goal of the game is that it's a cooperative game for kids. So you're trying to get these three mermaids to Mermaid Island without them getting captured by the sea witch and being sent back to (laughs) the starting space. So the sea witch starts at a different spot on the board. And then you're flicking this dial to tell you which way the mermaids are, how many spaces each mermaid will move on a given turn or if the sea witch will move. I don't really feel like kids understand cooperative games. Mm. Now that I've played with my niece and my seven-year-old nephew, like she's four and he's seven, which is what the box said between four and seven. But I kept telling Maddox, you can't be the sea witch. No one is the sea witch. And he's like, but yeah, but that's who I am. And I'm like, no, you can't be the sea witch. <laughs> the sea witch kills the mermaids. Like we're trying to get the mermaids to Mermaid Island. And he's like, well, then I, can I be this mermaid? And I'm like, no, no one's any mermaid. We're oh. all just playing together. And the kids just don't get that. Like they just... Kinsley was just like, I'm pink. I'm the pink mermaid. I'm like, no, you're not. No one's any mermaid. <laughs> I don't know. It's like this uh, infinite loop of trying to explain to them what a cooperative game was and them not understanding what it is. Well, even at that, so, at, at, at that age, even the concept of a game having rules is hard enough mm-hmm, to try and yeah. explain. Like, you you have to play by the rules. You don't make up the rules as you go. They uh, don't think that either. Yeah, they're still not that quite there most ad- most adults also don't understand that. <laughs> this is not a child specific problem it's like if you don't train train from a young age that like rules exist for fun uh to make everybody have fun then you know they'll grow up to be a normally functioning adult which means they won't read any rules and if you try and tell them the rules they'll be angry <laughs> oh <Yes. laughs> so we did make it to mermaid island but also the sea witch got a, one of the mermaids once, so she had to go back to start. But overall, it's a dumb game, and I would not recommend it as a children's <laughs> game or an adult game or any game that is cooperative. It doesn't work on any level. So. Oh. It is pretty, though. I mean, 
the mermaids are nice and the sea witch is elaborate, but other than that, no, it's a very <laughs> bad game. So, yeah. All right. <laughs> well, we played Warhammer Conquest. Um, this is an older game. It's a fantasy flight game from, I think, 2014. Uh, and it was discontinued in 2018 or something. Um, it had kind of a short life. Um, this was one of their living card games. Uh, so it was designed to be expanded constantly in like a regular basis. Um, I don't know if Fantasy Flight has any of that now. I guess they, they're still doing Legend of the Five Rings is their mm-hmm. current their current living card game, but mm-hmm. they've kind of killed off a bunch of those. Um, we played a long time ago, back when it was actually in print, and then we didn't. Now I wanted to get a, a feel of it because my game has some relationship to it, and it's going to be coming in on Kickstarter pretty soon. So um, I wanted to get a handle on, on even games that were out of print that had some relationship. Uh, and it was a lot better than I remembered it being. Um, what did you think? Yeah, I think um, since we first played it, which I do not recall at all, um, but it we've played a lot of other games, and so I can see a lot of similarities to other things. Um, it definitely has some similarities to War or Wars. 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 Um, That's a much older game, though. Yeah, it has some similarities to Wars, uh, which is another card game. Um, it... It has some similarities to Damon's game, which I didn't, um, which was interesting to see because I there are a few things that like in Damon's game seem to be unique mechanics, and then it's like, oh, actually, this game kind of has the same thing, but it's just a good example of you know people come up. There are no there are no new ideas, right? <laughs> it's just like people come up with all sorts of iterations of the same kind of thing. But, well, this um, is a two player card game by Eric Lang. It, yeah, that's true. It's and only so two players. Since that game came out, Eric has brought out uh i don't know if blood rage was before or after that but since then certainly he brought out what is the japanese one uh rising sun rising sun onk like he mm-hmm. became way more prolific like after that game was released but you can kind of feel the same dna in the card system of that game as you can feel in some of his other kind of they're not light war games but they take the ideas of war games like risk and they modernize them um and this certainly was very well balanced. It did feel like tense and interesting, um, but not lopsided. There was definitely a way to come back, even though you, you didn't. But <laughs> yeah, Damon decimated me both I times. I, we you. played twice. No, I was I was utterly destroyed. <laughs> you made some strange decisions occasionally. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot going on in the game, and the thing that that made it an issue. So the game is really interesting and fascinating, and I would highly advise like grabbing a copy if you have the opportunity. Um, one of the things that makes this game a little difficult is that your all your cards have quite a bit to read on them. Mm-hmm. And you could have, um, because drawing cards, cards can have multiple functions. Um, they can act as shields when people attack you. Uh, and so you might end up with a hand of like seven to 12 cards. There's no hand limit. Yeah, and so if you have 12 cards, all of which have things to read on them, that can be kind of complicated, especially when there's things on the table with more things to read on them. Um, that could be a lot to look at, even with two players. So definitely, I think, like, some of the decisions you were making were, like, for me, it would be more chess-like, right? Like, I have to read absolutely everything and make the optimal yeah, decision. Yeah, and I don't like doing that. 
I, yeah. I, I limit myself to the amount of time that I analyze things. <laughs> <laughs> and so this is a game which, you know, you can be, you can get some pretty serious benefits from doing that. Mm -hmm. um, the game has a pretty big footprint. It takes up a big space on a table, um, which does mean that there's a lot to look at and it is hard to kind of keep track of everything. Um, ultimately, I would say that this is probably my favorite of Eric Lang's games because mm -hmm. I don't really like Blood Rage or I quite like Rising, Rising Sun. Sun, but I think this was a better and shorter game uh -huh. than Rising Sun. Although it's two player only, so that yeah, that makes sense. Um, certainly, like the more so over the last couple of months, I've been learning more and understanding more about like Warhammer Forty Thousand and also like Fantasy Warhammer a little bit. These are like one of the other. This is the other half of the perennial uh, board game theme, right? We've got Cthulhu on one side and Warhammer mm -hmm. on the other, and they mm -hmm. occupy like 60% of all board game themes. Um, uh, I still can't say I fully understand the Cthulhu thing. The more I have delved into the Warhammer thing now to try and understand it, the more I kind of get why this thing has more depth to it. Um, once you play more than one of their games, you start to get to see kind of how the world fits together. And so coming back to this game later, now I... I kind of understand more about how these these it, it itself does not tell a story, but it has a little story behind all of the cards that like there's a world yeah, built. There's like thirty years of story that goes back through all of these cards um, that sort of intertwines with all of these other games, um, and uh, and so it's quite a good looking game as well. Um, I was hoping that the cards would tell more of a story individually that we would have little stories as we fought each other. That didn't really happen, unfortunately. Uh, but still, pretty good. I would recommend it. If only it was in print, it's not. Um, but there are fan-made expansions still being made to the game. So hmm. uh, even, what is it, five years out of print? Uh, they're just- They're fans. Yeah, just like six months ago, they mm -hmm. released an expansion that looks really good. Really, cool. really, really good. Like up there with the the Netrunner fan expansions um, that are easily on par with whatever Fantasy Flight was doing, but they're releasing it for free and you can just print them out. Yep. Good for CCG fans or just combat card game fans. I mean, I'm not sure how it would play if you customized stuff. Yeah, I guess I maybe I have no idea CCG, about any of that because we were just combat playing with card the decks game people. you could play. Mm -hmm. um, but... And I don't know if that would be, you know, maybe that's a maybe that's why it died because you don't need to customize it. And you can just play like a normal board game. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was uh, it was pretty good. And I uh, I'd play again if we had more cards. <laughs> cool. We also played Flick 'Em Up. I'm sure maybe you guys have mm. talked about this before. I don't know, but this is like a dexterity game with cowboy meeples where you build this little cowboy town and then you have these discs that sit next to the cowboys like you can either move your cowboy into a better position or you can shoot them with these bullets I'm not particularly good at it because <laughs> unlike other dexterity games you can't use your finger and thumb to flick you only can use your finger to flick so you can't like create a lot of power to flick accurately you just can only use your index finger which yeah I that's really horrible challenging. It wasn't great. Like, I kept <laughs> missing, like, every single Meeple Cowboy. I don't we even how, I know how you would do that. I thought you'd play. I'm trying to do it with my finger right now. I have. Oh, I have never played. But I don't recall that. 
I don't recall that. Oh being yeah, a thing. it's like very specific. You're not allowed to put your thumb and forefinger together and flick like this. You have to oh, just wow. sit on the table and flick it like this, wow. which takes a lot of the power away and accuracy away. And really, Glenn carried the team, and I don't even know how we won. He just hit a lot of people with his bullets, and I missed every single one. I feel like so. Dude, his index finger power. <laughs> he works he's, he's, out. It's a, a sign of high judgment when you're constantly <laughs> judging others and pointing at them. Your finger gets very strong. <laughs> it was a, It's a pretty good game. I think it's way too long for what it is. I mean, for just shooting down people, like each meeple gets like five hearts. I think that's a lot of hearts. You have to kill each one five times just to get them out of the game. And you need to kill three of their meeples before they kill three of your meeples to win. And... That ended up taking like two hours just to kill five, three people. It's two like, hours. Oh my gosh. It was a really long game. I was like, this is so long for a dexterity game. Like, this is too long. So yeah. it is a fun dexterity game, but maybe, I don't know, it would benefit from just taking some hearts off each meeple. Like, maybe take two hearts off so they only have three hit points instead of five hit points or something like that. Flick so. em Up has been on my list for a really long time, and I've never really gotten the opportunity to play it. I, I'd I play it again with you if you're ever in town. I'll definitely play it. Uh, I, I want to try it. I just never enjoyed a flicking game. Yeah, flicking is not, that's the problem. Them. Flicking is not fun. It's never been fun. No, it's not. It's really... like I always want to try flicking games, but then I'm like, why did I? What did I think this was going to be? Flicking isn't games, fun. Catapult games are really fun, <laughs> especially if the flick doesn't even involve your thumb. Then it's just a poking game. Well, yeah, that's, that's what billiards is, and people love billiards. Yeah, that's true. But in billiards, you can use your whole arm. It's true. I mean, I, I missed the chance to play Giant Flick'em Up at Gen Con. Yeah, that's where I played. I think that's probably more enjoyable because then you do use your whole arm. That sounds right? great. Giant Flick'em Up sounds way better. Maybe that's why I didn't know the rule about poking with just your finger. Because when, when it's big pieces, maybe they just allow you to use your thumb. There's also a rule in Tumbling Dice, which I think is a far superior game, but... You're not allowed to use that thumb and forefinger thing either, but we changed the rules so you can use them because I think it's dumb. <laughs> the reason for that, I think, is just to stop people from flicking so hard it flies off the table. Probably, yeah. Which I, I understand. Yeah, but, but like, like how, I don't even know how you would. You just practice. It's a terrible way to flick. Well, you start by judging and then work from there. <laughs> like you just, it, you're enacting judgment on the meeple. I see. You got to flick, flick your finger <laughs> out like you're, like you're, Pointing out their But then your flaws. whole hand moves. Your whole hand moves. Yeah, your whole hand's going to move. It's not going to be accurate. Yeah, I don't well, know. Well, yeah, the, the result is you end up hitting a lot of your cowboys that are sitting right next to your finger because <laughs> you accidentally hit them instead of the bullet, which is a lot tinier than the actual meeple. So. Uh -huh. I still liked it. I just wish it was shorter. Um, yeah. So. I mean, I'm getting that sense with a lot of games at this point. What Part of the reason we played so many small games this week was we were just trying to see, okay, we would new person, I, let's see which of the games in the house are fun, which ones are not. And the easiest thing was just, okay, which are the shortest, smallest, fastest games? Mm -hmm. Test a bunch of those really quickly so that we can test bigger ones, you know, later we know more about, okay, what, which, what's fun and what's not. And um, most games are really long. <laughs> it's, it's hard to find those like short, small, sweet games. So mm -hmm. I always thought Flick em Up was definitely like 15 minutes long. I did not expect two hours. That's, that's different. Although I have heard that about that, what is that dungeon crawl flicking game? Catacombs that I'm always trying to play. Oh, yeah. Catacombs apparently yeah. is like two and a half hours long. And 
that doesn't sound very fun. I don't want to be flicking for two and a half we hours. We played Catacombs we on, played the two on, ver- on the tabletop simulator, so it wasn't exactly the same. Well, tabletop simulator allows even more control. I mean, for me, somebody who flicks badly, yeah, uh, it allows more control, more billiards-like control uh-huh. of your little meeple things. Yeah. I don't know. Someday, someday Catacombs will get played. <laughs> yeah. But The last game we played that's new, we played... Cabo, the elusive unicorn card game. I actually think that you and Damon would like this game. It's kind of almost like a trick-taking game in reverse or something. I don't know how okay. to explain it. So it's from the same makers who make Silver Bullet. And you guys didn't like Silver Bullet. But this one I don't I mind think Silver is a, Bullet. I'm me- I'm it, I think it's Bullet. better than Silver Bullet. It, it's got similar mechanics. But in this game, it plays more like a trick-taking game, but not really. I don't know how to explain it. So you get four cards in front of you, and it's a memory game. So you'll memorize two of the cards sitting in front of you, and you won't know the other two cards. Okay. So just like in Silver Bullet, you can peek at some of your cards or spy on other people's cards, but it allows for a lot of player interaction. And so what you want is the lowest amount of numbers on your cards. And if you do think you have the lowest number, you call Cabo, and then everyone else gets one more turn. And then if you do have the lowest accumulative number, say you had a three, a one, and a one, and you had a total number of four, and everyone else had like a seven, a six, and a five, you'd have the lowest number, you'd get zero points for that round, and everyone else would get the amount of points they have in front of them that round. Mm. Whoever gets to 100 points first loses. So there's really, um, really only one winner. But the clever thing about it is that you can swap multiple cards at once. So if you think you have two sevens face down and your memory is correct, like I'd like to change out these two sevens for this three that just came by. And then it's face up in your pile, but you you at least change those two sevens out for the threes. If you memorize incorrectly and you say, oh, this these are two sevens, but one's a seven and one's a 10 because you mem- memorized incorrectly, you have to take all the cards and put them in front of you and then you're at a serious disadvantage. So oh. you really win or lose based on your memory. And they have a clever thing, kind of like hearts as well. So if you get in front of you two 13s and two 12s, which you would never keep those because they're high cards. But if you had those numbers in front of you and someone did call Cabo, everyone else at the table will get 50 points. Oh my God. So it's kind of fun. It's kind of like a fun gambling. You can gamble and try to shoot the moon like you do in, well, it's not really called shooting me the moon, but it is in hearts. But then um, there's also another really weird rule to the game that if someone were to get to exactly 100. So say I was really close to getting to 100 and I planned it correctly and I got the exact score of 100, I would get 50 points erased and go back back down to 50 if I managed to get the exact Oh, wow. Score. So it's very cute as well. Like there's there's a unicorn and there's only <laughs> two of them in the whole deck. So if you're playing the elusive unicorn game and you get the zero, it's like, wow, I got the unicorn and it feels really <laughs> special. And, <laughs> Uh, I just really liked it. And there's really cute um, butterfly pictures. And I don't know what it is, but he kind of looks like a ghost. But he's got this really cute little face. And he's on all the cards. And I liked the feeling of the game. Again, this one was way too long for like a trick-taking game. I mean, it wasn't really a trick-taking game. But for a game like this, it took a, took Bo and I. It's just two players playing it. Like an hour and a half. It's like, that's oh, well. too long. It's yeah. too long. And the good thing so. about games like that, though, is you can just change the number. You can just say, instead of 100, let's go to 50 or something else. Yeah, that's, I think, would be an ideal situation. But the reason I think you guys would like it is the amount of player interaction. Mm-hmm. So if you do think someone's winning, you can use an action, like swap a card and like give them a 12. And mm-hmm. then maybe they won't call Cabo and you could save yourself another round before. 
Have yeah, that sounds fun. I definitely try it. Card. Yeah, Do you know why it's called Cabo? No, this is like the deluxe edition. There was an original edition, a second edition, and this is this like the deluxe edition. We found it at Night Owl Games. So hmm. I don't know why it's called Cabo. <laughs> what does Cabo mean? C A B O. Is it? Is that? Well, how you it's a city. It. It's a city in Mexico. I don't think that's what it means. But yeah, what else it must mean something? I don't think it's. I that mean, there's de- a lot of. I don't think the story is as detailed as you think. Well, I'm just wondering what's the what is why is it Cabo and unicorns? Why not? I don't know. <laughs> Let me find out what, if Cabo means something in Spanish. Uh, end. It means end. <laughs> so does that Well, you are wanting to end the round before other people. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't make sense with thematically with the game it does make sense like game like play i do i do like you hear about a an abstract trick-taking game and you're like yes but what is the meaning behind the story i just wanted to know i I don't i just cabo the word cabo and unicorn just didn't seem to mesh with me no i love the the fact that that 12 nights the trick-taking game that's regrettably christmas themed as Uh i still believe is the best trick-taking game uh actually tells a coherent story <laughs> in a trick-taking game. I don't Blows know. my mind. I don't know if I'd go that far. But the... the it, it retells the random-ass story of 12 Nights of Christmas song. Yeah. Accurately. The title makes sense. That's why I'm asking about Cabo Unicorn. I know, but it's gotta be the only time that makes sense. Like... Yeah. It's not like there's any reason that Tichu is Tichu-themed. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, those are all the ones I played, so. Cool. Well, as usual, we will have a list of all of the games that we just talked about in the podcast notes uh, or on our website, which is playdnapodcast.com. And as always, play safe, play often. We'll see you next time. Bye.